Hey, fun fact, in that video we saw a minute ago, the person that's wearing the chicken mascot costume or whatever that is, who suffers the unfortunate injury, that person goes to Faith Church. That's the Faith Church family right there for you. So you got to try and find out who's in the chicken. I don't know. Ask your neighbor. Were you the chicken? Walk around here. Find out who the, who the chicken mascot was. If you got a Bible with you, get it out. Go to Philippians chapter 1. We're in Philippians this summer in a series called Joyful Loser. We're going through this letter together. And so I would encourage you this summer to bring your Bible as we march through this letter of Philippians together. So I was seven years old when I played in my first competitive golf tournament. I was in a junior summer golf program and practicing all summer long. And at the end of the year, there was a tournament. And I had one goal for that tournament. I really wanted to win a trophy. I'd never won a trophy before in my life. And so I really just, I wanted one of those trophies. And so sure enough, the day comes along. It's tournament day. I've been working really hard and I play my little heart out that day and I get a trophy. I got second place, the, the nowhere near first place. That guy ran laps around me, but I didn't care because my goal was get a trophy. And I went home with the trophy that day. There was a little golfer on top swinging a golf club. It was plastic, but I was like, hey, it's gold. Look at it. I was so excited. And I was super pumped because obviously I won the trophy, but also I reached my goal, right? I set a goal. I had worked towards it and I accomplished that goal and I went home with the trophy. Now here's the rest of the story. There was only two people in the tournament that day. <laughs> and the kid that won smoked me. I mean, it wasn't even close. There was clearly one winner and one loser, you know, and that was me. But guess what? I didn't care because winning, getting first wasn't my goal. My goal was to get a trophy. That was the win for me. And so I go home that night and I have that trophy. And so to me, I had won. I had accomplished my goal. In the book of Philippians, the apostle Paul redefines what it means to win for the Christ follower. His buddy, a guy named Epaphroditus, had come to visit Paul in Rome, where Paul is in a prison cell, and he brings him blankets and clothes and food and things that Paul might need. And so Paul is writing a letter that Epaphroditus is going to take back to the church in the city of Philippi to say thank you. And it's in this letter that Paul redefines what it means to win in life, because in just four short chapters, it's a very short letter, in these four chapters... 19 times, Paul talks about joy and happiness. And you go, well, that's kind of weird coming from a guy in prison. But Paul had redefined, he had a new goal and redefined what it meant to win. This certainly wasn't the only time that Paul faced hardship. The Bible records Paul's sort of life and, and, and some of the things that he faced. He was robbed. Paul was shipwrecked three times. Paul was arrested on five occasions, and each time he was whipped 39 times. He was beaten with rods three times. I mean, this guy's back and body must have been so bruised and so scarred. Paul was stoned and left for dead. Paul will eventually die in a prison cell. But he writes a letter, and he says, I have joy and peace and happiness. And you could read that and go, man, this guy's got a screw loose. What is he talking about? But no, Paul has redefined what it means to win. So it was like me winning that second place trophy. You could look at that and go, you lost. No, I didn't. I won because that was my goal to get a trophy. And so as Paul redefines what it means to win in this life, 
sitting in a prison cell, he can find joy and happiness and peace. So let's see if we can pick up some of that joy today. Let's get into it. Philippians chapter one. We're going to start in verse 12 and try and understand why Paul has such joy in life. Listen to what he says. He writes, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters. So he's talking to a church family. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So he's in prison. He goes, yeah, here I am. I'm in chains. But the gospel, because of my imprisonment, the gospel is actually being advanced. Now, you're going to hear this word a few times, this word gospel. You go, what does that mean? That's, a, that's like a churchy word, right? The gospel just means good news. The good news, in this case, the good news about Jesus, that he died and he rose again to forgive our sins and give us life. Paul goes, that word is actually, because I'm in prison, that word is actually going out. The gospel is advancing. Keep going, verse 13. He says, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And this word right here, palace guard, Paul uses this Greek word praetoria, which probably means it's this specialized army. It probably means the emperor's personal army or personal guard. So Paul's like, listen, I'm hanging out with army rangers and navy seals, and they're starting to follow Jesus. They're hearing the gospel and they're putting their trust in Jesus. Now, how are they hearing the gospel? Likely, Paul won't shut up about it. That's sort of what Paul does. We have other accounts in the Bible where Paul is in prison and he's singing hymns and he's writing about God and he's talking about God. So he goes, listen, the whole palace is learning about Jesus because I'm in here. There's a buzz about Jesus throughout the whole palace and people are putting their trust in him. And they're starting to realize, I'm not a criminal. I shouldn't be in here. I'm in here because I'm being unfairly persecuted. And you have people that have never heard the good news of Jesus before that are now in the palace, that are now following Paul. Good things are happening. Verse 14 says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. And they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I love this. He says, because of my imprisonment, fellow believers are being emboldened in their faith. They're getting excited about their own faith so that they would proclaim the gospel without fear. Now, this word proclaim here doesn't mean that they're standing on boxes with megaphones yelling at people to follow Jesus. It means that they're willing to speak about their faith, that they're, they're coming out and they're talking about with their friends and their family, their faith in Jesus. So he goes, listen, yeah, guys, I'm, I'm in prison, but incredible stuff is happening. The palace guard, they're hearing about Jesus. People in the emperor's palace are putting their hope in him and fellow believers are being emboldened to share and live out and talk about their faith. Have you ever had that happen before where you find out maybe it's in a group of friends or maybe it's at work or something and you find out that someone else there is also a Christ follower? Like the person in the cubicle next to you, they're also a Jesus person and, 
and there's something in that. There's something uniting. And there's something that emboldens you. You go, I'm not like the one that has to be timid. I'm not the weird Jesus person around here. Like there's another believer. There's another Christ follower here. And we can talk about it. And we can share things about life and faith. Paul's like, people are coming out of the woodwork to talk about their faith. People are coming to find Jesus. They're being more open about their faith. Kingdom things are happening. And you might look at this and go, like, what is Paul doing? Is this some sort of like, he's trying to trick his mind. This is some sort of like self-help garbage where Paul's like, yeah, listen, just whatever happens, I'm going to have a smile on my face. I might die in here. My life sucks. It's really terrible. I'm chained to a Roman guard for 24 hours a day, but I'm all smiles. Like, no, that's not, that's not what he's doing. He's redefining what it means to win. Keep, keep going. He says it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. He goes, listen, there's some people out there preaching Christ and, and they're doing it because it makes them money. They're doing it because it makes them famous. They're making their name known, whatever their reason is. There are other people out there who are against Paul, who are saying Paul wouldn't really be in prison if God was on his side. If he was actually preaching God's word, he'd have just heaps of blessing. And there's no way he'd be in prison. Paul goes, listen, I don't care what anybody says about me. To be honest, it doesn't matter. In fact, I don't even care why they're preaching Christ. If it's because their, their motives are good or their motives are bad. Here's the thing. Jesus is being preached. And to me, I'll rejoice in that because that's the win. What Paul is doing is he's redefining what it means to win. That life maybe isn't about wealth and health and safety and security and comfort and accomplishment and career and money and education and whatever else we, we could think of. And maybe it's not even about things that, that seem really good. Like how much Bible do you know? And how much money do you give away to the, to the needy? Like those are good things. But what Paul is doing is in life in general, redefining what it means to win. And here's what he says. He says, we win when Jesus becomes famous. Here's how, for Christ followers, here's how we win that Jesus would be known. You ever seen a, um, a post-game interview with an, with an athlete who didn't have a very good game, some celebrity or all-star athlete didn't have a very good game, but their team still won? And so they'll say things like, oh, man, I can't believe, you know, I, I missed that wide open shot or I dropped that touchdown pass. It was right in my hands or I had a throwing error or whatever. But they're all smiles, right? And they go, but you know what? We won. And, and they don't care that they had, uh, you, know, you know, bad stats and they didn't perform to their best. Why? Because the team won. And the only thing that matters is that their team won. And the Apostle Paul is sitting in a prison cell and he writes a letter. And if you and I are in a prison cell and we're going to write a letter, what's it going to read like? I mean, mine's going to be like, get me out of here, call my lawyer, 
file an appeal. I don't deserve this. This is unfair. And Paul never once says anything like that. He says, yes, I'm in chains. But guys, God is winning. And because God is winning, I'm winning. He's redefining what this means. He says, because Jesus is being made known, we win. And Paul, you know, he's, he's kind of weird, but he's not dumb. He's, he's not burying his head in the sand like, everything's fine, everything's great, I'm in prison, but who really cares? Like, he's not, he's not doing that. He's not saying, maybe you've heard this before. You're in some situation and someone says, well, just make the best of your circumstances, which is like, hey, I know life's going terrible, but just put a smile on and, and fake it till you make it, you know, that kind of thing. That's not what he's doing. In fact, I don't, even, I don't even know what that means. Paul is actually going a step further with this, and he's going, here's my circumstances. God, would you use my circumstances? I'm in prison. I'm suffering. God, would you please use my circumstances to bring you glory? I mean, isn't that a different way of thinking? Would you please use what I'm going through to make Jesus known? I mean, I think that is radical because pick, pick that up and move it 2,000 years forward. Just try this on in your own life for a minute, okay? You're not, in, you're not in prison, but you're going through something, right? You're going through some things in life. There's circumstances, conditions in your life. Just, just think about everything that's going on. Think about your relationships. You have some good ones. You have some that have some tension to them, right? Relationships with friends and coworkers, with a spouse, with someone you're dating, with your parents, relationships with your kids. There's some good stuff. There's some bad stuff. Think about your job. Maybe it's not the job that you thought that you would have by now. Maybe you're underemployed. Maybe you're unemployed. Maybe you didn't know that you'd be forced into retirement so early. Think about your circumstances. You've all just lived through a pandemic. Think about the conditions of your life. I think for a lot of us, Maybe not all, but I think for a lot of us, we look at our life, we look at the conditions, we look at the circumstances, and we spend a lot of time thinking about and asking God, would you change my circumstances, God? Would you fix this? Would you heal this? Would you take this away? Would you give me this? But what if we went a step further, like the Apostle Paul? What if we went a little bit further and we said, God, would you use my circumstances to bring you glory? God, would you use my condition to make Jesus known? That would be different, wouldn't it? I mean, play this out. Play this out, what this looks like in your marriage. Maybe your marriage is great. Maybe it's not real good right now. Maybe most days you feel like roommates. You're kind of just ships passing in the night. You're frustrated. You're starting to wonder, why are we even still together? What would it look like? you hold that up to God. And you said, God, could you use this to make Jesus known? God, could you use this to bring glory to yourself? Think about 
your job for a second. It's unfulfilling. Boss is a scumbag. You're barely paying the bills, whatever. What if the win wasn't, well, if I had a new job and I made more money and was my own boss? What if the win was that you held that job up to the Lord and said, God, I, I, I don't really love this job. I don't really love the people I work with. But God, could you use this? It's where I am right now, God. Could you use it to make Jesus known? What's something on the horizon that you can see? It's keeping you up at night. It's something that's coming, right? It's a health something. It's that your kids are growing up and they're moving out and and that scares you. It's out there on the horizon. Could you hold it up? Could you, could you give that over to God and go, God, I'm terrified by this. But God, could you take this and use this for your glory? Could you actually, this thing that I, I'm worried about and I'm losing sleep over, could you actually take this and make it for your glory and make it to be used to make Jesus known? Wouldn't that be a new way of looking at things? Like maybe some of us have never tried before. I mean, I was thinking through this, if I applied this to a few things in my own life, I could hold up to the Lord and say, God, I don't understand why for years my wife and I struggle with infertility. I don't, I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't understand it. But here, God, could you use it for your glory? Could you take that and, and, and use it to make Jesus known? God, I don't understand why I have a child with an illness, with a disease that will last a lifetime. I hate it. But God, could you somehow in your way take that and use that to make Jesus known? God, could you take the dysfunction in my family, the tension that all of our families have, all that uncomfortable stuff? Could you, God, could you somehow take that Could you use it in a way that I can't even see, God? But could you use that to make Jesus know? It's a whole new way of thinking. I spend so much time thinking about and asking God to fix things. Give me this. Heal this. Take this away. Snap your fingers, God, and fix it. What if we turned around and we said, God, could you use our circumstance, our condition to make Jesus known? And I hear this skeptic who goes, well, all right, this is Paul, okay? And Paul is this unique guy, and he has this closeness with God. He heard from heaven when Jesus spoke. Like, if Jesus speaks to me from heaven, I'll choose joy in the midst of all my circumstances, all right? If Jesus, like, reveals himself to me, sure, I'll be happy. Yeah, Paul's unique. He has a unique calling in his life. But he's human being. You don't think there were days when he sat in prison and he said, this isn't fair? When he thought, I'm not a criminal. What did I do wrong? I'm trying to tell you people about hope and joy and you're mad at me. You're locking me up. You don't think there were days of doubt and self-pity? And yet he, he works so hard to get to the place where he can say, God, could you please use my condition. Here it is. I'm in prison, God. Take this. Use it to make Jesus known because that's the win. It's radically different. 
It's radically different than most of us live. And I don't think Paul is just going, yeah, just roll over. You know, life is what it is. Your marriage stinks. You don't have any money. You hate your job. I don't think he's doing that at all. I think he's saying, gather, gather it all up, the circumstance, whatever it is you're going through. Hold it up to the Lord. Ask him if he could use it, no matter how broken it might be. Could you use this to make Jesus known? Such a different way of thinking. So how does Paul get there? This guy who's been through all these things, beatings, being arrested, he's in prison, he's been shipwrecked. At some point, you feel like, this guy's going to give up on Jesus, right? How does he get to this place where he goes, I know what joy is like, even in prison? Go back to the passage. Verse 16, he, he explains it to us. Underline these words. Highlight them in your Bible. He says, I am put here. I was put here for the defense of the gospel. See, Paul, what Paul did is he sought to understand, why am I here? Why am I in prison? Instead of just looking at the surface and going, oh, I'm in prison, life's terrible, woe is me, Paul actually seeks to understand the higher things of life, the deeper things, the spiritual things. He seeks to understand what might God be doing in the middle of my circumstances. I mean, I don't like this condition. I don't want to be in prison, but I see God doing all these things. What might God be doing? And the conclusion that he arrives at is I'm not on earth. I'm not in prison for my own wealth and health and safety and security and comfort, for my own agenda. I am here. I was put here to preach and defend the gospel of Jesus. That's the reason I'm here in prison. That is the reason for my circumstances. Question. Why are you here? Why are you in the situation that you're in? Why are you in the marriage that you're in? Why are you in the job that you're in? Why are you in the family that you're in? Why are you in the friendships that you're in? Not how did you get here? There's always stories and reasons and blame to go around. But why, why are you here? Is it possible that you're where you are so that God would use you to make Jesus known? Is it possible that you're right where you are so that God can use the circumstances that you're in or your condition to bring himself glory? Why are you here? When we started the book of Philippians this summer, I thought, oh, Philippians, it'll be a nice, light little summer series, no problem. And then Paul just goes, this is hard. Is it possible? Is it possible? The reason you're in the dysfunctional family that you're in is to somehow make Jesus known? Is it possible that the reason you're in some circumstance with a friend is to give God glory? Is it possible that the reason that you or someone that you love is sick, has cancer, is it it's going to bring glory to God that you would hold it up to him and say, God, could you use this to make Jesus known? I, I don't know. 
I'm just asking because here's the thing. If the reason that you're in that job, if the reason that you're in that dysfunctional family, and this is where it gets really hard, if the reason that you're in the situation that you're in is to bring glory to God and to make Jesus known, then the truth is, this is the hard part, the truth is you actually have to lean in instead of step back. If the reason you're in that dysfunctional family is to make the love of Christ known, you actually have to walk into the messiness instead of walk away from the messiness. If the reason that you're in the job that you are and you have the position that you have and the authority that you have and the relationship and the network that you have is to bring glory to God, you have to engage rather than disengage. If the reason that you're in what feels like a loveless marriage is that you would hold it up to the Lord and say, God, can you use this to bring glory to yourself? Could you use this to make Jesus famous? Then you actually have to deal with the messiness. It's really hard. We're all hoping that God would just snap his fingers and fix everything, and maybe he will. But what if we thought like Paul? What if we took the time to care about the spiritual things, the deeper things, the higher things, to try and understand what God might be doing so that we could hold it up before him, our circumstances, our condition, that we don't understand, we don't have to like it, but we hold it up before him and go, God, could you use this to make Jesus known? I mean, maybe that's the win. Would that change the way that you thought about your life, that you approached things? I mean, let me ask you this. Why are you here? Why are you at Faith Church? I mean, whether you've been here for some of you, you've been here for 50 years. Some of you, this is your first week. Why are you at Faith Church? I know the coffee's all right and the worship's pretty good. That's why you think you're here. But why does God have you here? Is it possible that the reason you're here is not just that the love of Christ would be made known to you, but also through you? Is it possible that God has in this season, in this time, brought this group of people together as a church family for the purpose of making Jesus known and you're a part of that? Would that change the way you approached even coming to church? So when you come to church, it's not just like, okay, church, feed me. I'm here to eat. Let's go. It's like, no. How are we, church family, making Jesus known? I mean, even that tweak in our thinking would change everything. It would change the way that we served. It would change the way that we give. It would change the way we engage with the church family. If we believed that we were here, each one of us, to make Jesus known, not just for our own comfort, not just because of our own preference. We like the style of music and the chairs are comfortable and whatever. It's like, no, it's to make Jesus known. We hold that up as a church family before the Lord and say, God, could you use all of us? to bring you glory. It changes how we think about everything. It's hard because we get so caught in our circumstances. Like, yeah, but you don't know what's going on in my life. We are focused on ourselves. And so we have this list of prayer requests. God, to help me. And that's, that's okay. That's valid. But can we go to a higher place, a deeper place, Paul doubles down on, on this thinking in Colossians. He writes to the church in the city of Colossae in Colossians 4. He says, pray for us too. 
that God may open a door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Again, he doesn't say pray that we'd be released. Pray that God would miraculously let us out of here. He goes, pray that God would create opportunities for us to tell people about Jesus, that the gospel would go forward, that all of this would be to make God, make Jesus famous. I mean, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's too simple. Maybe it's too practical. But what if you went into work this week? And I don't know if you love walking into work or I don't know if you hate walking into work, but what if you went into work and you said, God, my, my relationships here at work, my position, my, if I have authority, the money that I make, all of it, God, here you go. Would you use it, Lord? Would you use this somehow to make Jesus known? I mean, aren't we all in search of significance? Is there anything more significant than making the love of Christ known? You have to be a pastor or work at a church to do that? Heck no. What would it look like if you're on the phone with one of your grown kids and you don't agree with the way that they're living? But instead of condemning them and fighting them, you held that relationship up to the Lord and said, God, I, I, I don't necessarily see what you're doing here, but could you use this? To make Jesus known? What if instead of nagging your spouse in hopes that they will change, because you've been doing that for 20 years, and newsflash, it doesn't work. What if instead of nagging each other and always going at each other, you said, God, could you use our relationship? Please take this. Use it to make the love of Christ known. Your dating relationship. We're not going to listen to what the world tells us. We're going to hold our relationship up to the Lord and say, God, would you please use this to make Jesus known? It's such a different way of thinking. And the world might look at that and go, you're a loser. Your circumstances, your suffering, you're a loser. And I, I guess I would go, okay. but I know that God is winning. And so, like, I can be joyful in that. Could you examine the major parts of your life, your relationships, maybe your career, your friendships, your finances? Could you actually line those up and look at them and try and understand on a higher level, what's going on, to hold them up before the Lord and say, God, I don't understand all this. I don't know how I got in this situation. I don't know why this is going on. But God, could you use these things to make Jesus known? Imagine the kingdom effect that that would have if we asked God to use our circumstances to bring him glory. That is my challenge, my encouragement to you. Let me end with this. Some of you are, are thinking to yourself, cool. Um, I'd love to have joy, but you don't know what's going on in my life. I can't even fathom what joy tastes like, feels like, because life has me so beat down. And right now what I'm going through is the closest thing to hell this world has to offer. L listen, listen to this, Romans 15. Let me just leave you with these words. 
says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy and peace always start right here by trusting in God by trusting him that he's good, by trusting him that he's with you and he's for you. And it might not feel like it right now, but he's winning. All over the world, he's winning. And because we know he wins, we can have joy. Pray with me. God, thanks for your word that promises us joy, but also explains how we can have joy. It's by trusting in you, Lord. God, you know the condition of every person on campus, watching online. You know every thought that we have. You know every little ping in our heart. Everything that we're walking through God, we want to hold our circumstances up to you. To say, use this thing that I'm going through. Use it to bring you glory. Use it to make Jesus known. But God, it's hard. So help us by the power of your spirit. There are difficulties, trials being faced by this church family. But God, let us not just look at the, the, the surface of what's going on. Help us to look deeper, to, to seek to understand your ways, to understand what you might be doing so that we, like the Apostle Paul, could look at our circumstances and not, and not just go, oh yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the best of it. I'm going to put on a, a happy face. But no, we would look at you and we would hold things up to you and say, Lord, you're in control. Lord, you know best. Use this to make Jesus known. God, help us to see your glory as the wind. That we would not settle for our own comfort or security or safety or achievement. But in all things, we would seek to understand the deeper meanings, the things that you might be doing. God, for those who are struggling today. Right now, Lord, at the sound of my voice, would you turn their eyes and their hearts to you? Would you help them to hand over whatever they're going through, to give it to you right now to say, Lord, use this for your glory, not mine. And Lord, we'll thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, who lost his life, that we could have life. Amen. Amen.